Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hey, welcome back. I'm Chris Shandro. I'm the pastor at Compass. Thank you so much for joining me. A little while ago, Leah Marlene was on American Idol, and she made it into the top three, which was exciting for all of us because she's from our community. Now, each of the top three contestants on American Idol, they get this visit back to their hometown. And when Leah came back here, it was a really big deal. Thousands of people came out for this big parade and a concert in Uptown Normal. It was all over local news and radio. You know, local girl makes it big and comes home. And one of the cool things about the local visit that they get is that the contestants' closest friends and family members are invited by American Idol to come and be a part of that whole experience that day. And maybe they even get to be on TV. Well, Cameron, my daughter, and our worship pastor, she is a really good friend of Leah's, and she was actually invited to be part of the whole thing. So she got to ride around in the limo all day. She got to hang around with the American Idol crew. She saw all of these people screaming and cheering for Leah all day. And Cameron said it was awesome. Well, except for the TV part, because somehow Cameron's face could not make it onto screen. I mean, check this out. These are Cameron's arms hugging Leah over the generic title, Leah's Friends. Uh, this is Cameron's elbow as she walks down the hallway of their old high school and she's holding a sign. Uh, this is Cameron cheering in an outdoor school assembly. And again, you can tell it's Cameron because it's the same shirt that she has on in all the other pictures, clearly not her face. And then finally though, this is the blink or you'll miss it selfie that all of Leah's friends were able to take together. You can kind of see her in that one. In spite of the fact that Cameron's shirt got more airtime than her face did, uh, for her, it was still a huge honor to be invited to be part of that. For her to be acknowledged as someone who was important to Leah and had a special place in her life was a big deal. There's something meaningful about being recognized by someone when they're on one of the biggest platforms or, or in one of the most important moments of their lives. And whether you're being recognized by someone who is winning an Academy Award or you're being recognized by the bride giving a speech at her wedding reception, when someone acknowledges to the world that you played an important role in their lives, it means something. Which is why what Jesus says at the end of Matthew chapter 10 is so relevant. So let's check this out in Matthew 10, verse 32 through 33. Jesus said, Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Now, this is a familiar verse that I heard a lot when I was growing up in church. And the question I ask is, what does Jesus mean by this? Because when I was young, it was always taught to me as, as like Jesus kind of making a threat. If you don't tell people that you go to church or if you don't witness to your friends, then someday when we all stand before God, that Jesus is going to be like, oh, oh, oh. That dude didn't invite any of his friends to church. Hit the bricks, punk. Because that's how Jesus talks, I guess. But it's, it's as if the biggest and loudest fanboy, or the bigger and louder fanboy I was for Jesus, the more pleased God would be with me. And then the less loud I was about God, the less likely I would be to get into heaven. And while Jesus is definitely using this imagery of, of a final judgment in heaven before God, 
I think that the context of this passage gives us a better idea of what Jesus is actually saying here. Because in Matthew chapter 10, and we've been working through it over the last several weeks, we find Jesus preparing his disciples to be sent out on their own. And he's telling them about all the conflicts that they are going to face as they go. And there's a lot of them. Interpersonal conflict, relational conflict. There's going to be conflict within families and even conflict with governmental authorities. Jesus has been preparing them to be rejected, arrested, even beaten and whipped for teaching about Jesus. And everything he's been teaching has been to help them get along with each other or get along with those who they're trying to reach and even with those who are going to oppose them. And after telling them about all these difficult things and how difficult things are going to be for them, Jesus says this. He says, everyone who pushes through and doesn't give up on me or on the kingdom of God, in spite of all of this, they're going to be personally recognized before God. You see, Jesus is not threatening his followers with punishment, but rather he's showing them the reward for, in his words, acknowledging him. Now, imagine how it would feel if someone you knew won an Academy Award or the Super Bowl MVP or a Nobel Nobel Peace Prize, or maybe they were even elected president. And in their acceptance speech, they said this about you. They said, I want to especially thank, insert your name here. They were with me. They were for me. They supported me the entire time. I could not have done this without them. And I am so thankful for their friendship. How amazing would that feel? I mean, how special and valued would that make you feel? Now, imagine that Jesus is standing before God the Father and all of creation saying this. He's saying, that dude, it wasn't always easy. There were challenges and conflicts, but he, he held on. That's my guy. It's important too for us to recognize that when Jesus says all this, that he is pivoting in his teaching here from what will happen to his followers on earth to what will happen in heaven. He's shifting away from kind of practical teaching about dealing with conflict in the world to talking about bigger picture kingdom values and principles. It's a kingdom principle that when we hold on to Jesus through the conflicts of life on earth, that it has consequences for us in the kingdom of heaven because what we do here matters. How we acknowledge Jesus now, it has eternal repercussions. And as Jesus pivots into talking about kingdom values and principles, he gives us his kingdom view of conflict, and he shows us exactly what it means to acknowledge him publicly here on earth. And he he starts in Matthew 10, 34. He says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father, daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. Now, when Jesus says all of this about the conflict of families, he's quoting an Old Testament passage in Micah uh, 7.6. But either way, I mean, this is strong language. I don't come to bring peace, but a sword? I mean, that sounds more like the violent revolutionary language that Jewish people expected and were looking for from their coming Messiah. And honestly, it's, it's language that's used by Christians today in support of of guns and violence and war. And next week, we're going to talk more about this specific verse 
in order to talk about guns and violence from a gospel perspective. So I really hope you come back for that because I'm sure it's not gonna be controversial at all. But anyway, continuing. Jesus had already warned his disciples that they may have family members betray and reject them. And here, it's almost as if he's taking responsibility for it. As if it's his fault or that he's causing it on purpose. But he's not. Listen, it's not that Jesus seeks to divide families. A simple look at at the other teachings of Jesus and, and teachings in the rest of the New Testament would show that the heart of God is peace and unity, particularly in the home with family. See, Jesus is pointing to the spiritual forces at play, and the reality is this, is that Jesus is implementing a new way of being a human being, a new way of being God's people. And unsurprisingly, those who are happy with the old way or their own way, they don't like having their way messed with. And when God acts to rescue his people, there are always going to be some who are comfortable as they are and they don't think they need his rescuing. Jesus didn't want to cause division for the sake of it. He just knew and was warning his disciples that when the kingdom of God expands and if people follow his way of being in this world, that there will be some division that follows. He's saying, I've told you about the conflict that you're going to face and it has spiritual causes, but the way through it is to acknowledge me. So what does that really mean, to acknowledge Jesus? Does it mean that we need to like witness to our friends or have a church bumper sticker on our car or post Bible verses on social media? Does acknowledging Jesus mean that we need to protest abortion or fight for prayer in schools or ban books that don't line up with a strict reading of scripture? I mean, these would all be things that the evangelical church in America would say we should do. But what would Jesus say it means to acknowledge him? Well, I think he tells us two ways to do it as he rounds out this pivot to teaching his disciples about the kingdom values that will get them praised and acknowledged before God in heaven. And this is what Jesus says in verse 37. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. Right after Jesus says that the kingdom of God will bring division between family members, some who accept it and some who don't, Jesus goes harder into the paint by saying that in that conflict, his followers must choose him. Now, I know that sounds kind of harsh, but but look closely. Jesus isn't asking us not to love our families. He's just asking us to love him more. Now, that may not sound like much of a distinction to you, but it is. And let me illustrate. Okay, check this out. I love my wife more than I love my children. Okay, one more time. I love my wife more than I love my children. Now, even as I say that, I realize it may sound harsh and unfair, but it doesn't mean I don't love my children. I do desperately. I just know that when I love my wife more, it allows me to love my children better. You see, love is not a zero-sum game where someone wins and someone loses one or the other, as if loving my wife more means that I have to love my kids less. 
And this is not even just a matter of feelings. Like I just feel like Terry is better than my kids. Rather, it's a matter of priority. By prioritizing my love for her, I'm actually giving my kids a better home, a better life, and a better model of marriage and family. By putting my love for their mom over my love for them, I'm actually making a better environment for all of us. And it's the same with Jesus. See, Jesus is not asking us to reject our family or to hate others in order to show our allegiance to him. It's not about picking teams. It's simply a matter of love. And love is not an exhaustible resource. When we do it right, there's more to go around. And a key part of acknowledging Jesus on earth is how we love him. Which leads to our first takeaway today, and that's this. We acknowledge Jesus by putting him first over everything else. Jesus said in verse 38 through 39, that if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. He said that if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Now, everyone in Jesus's day knew this, that a person who took up a cross, they were going to die. They were going to be executed. To take up a cross was to lay down your life. And so acknowledging Jesus is actually a total surrender of your life to him. It's laying down your rights, your desires, and your way of living to take up his. But his promise is that when we give up our life for him, we'll really find it. When we love him first, we'll discover what love really means for our families and for the other people who matter most to us. The first way we acknowledge Jesus on earth is to put him over everyone and everyone else for our good, and for theirs, which leads us to the second way that he says we can acknowledge him. Verse 40, anyone who receives you receives me, and anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. There's this image that Jesus is creating here, like links in a chain. He says this, he says, I am linked to my father. And if you are linked to me, then you are linked to my father. And if someone is linked to you, they are linked to me and they are also linked to my father. Jesus is painting a picture of the kingdom of God as interconnected links that join us to each other and join us to him. And within this interconnected kingdom of links, there's an act that followers of Jesus engage in that Jesus says in his words will surely be rewarded. And it's giving a cup of cold water to someone who needs it. Which leads to our second takeaway, and it's this. We acknowledge Jesus by caring for the needs of others. It's so simple. And yet Jesus gives us another example of this when he told another parable that was related to kind of a judgment day analogy. And he tells us this in Matthew 25. He says, Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, 
I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. I want you to look really carefully at what Jesus is saying here. Jesus didn't say that God is impressed when we change laws to line up with the Bible or when we preach on street corners or when we make sure that we have the biggest and best churches on the block and that we have the biggest and best church programs. The actions and behaviors that matter most to God are the ones that have a direct impact on caring for the needs of other people who are in need. How we treat the hungry, the stranger, the foreigner, the immigrant. How we treat the naked in need of clothing, the sick, and the prisoner. We acknowledge Jesus on earth by caring for the marginalized. Jesus said that everyone who acknowledges me publicly on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. And how do we acknowledge Jesus publicly here on earth? We do it by putting Jesus first and putting the needs of others first. And, and in this teaching, we again, we see the echoes of the simple boiled down commandment that Jesus gave his followers to love God and to love our neighbor as ourself. To love God by prioritizing him and putting him first in our lives, knowing that when he's first, everything else and everyone else will fall into place. And to love our neighbor by caring for their needs. These are the things that matter to God. They're not just ideas that we agree to, but they're to be actions and behaviors that we actually engage in. You may be a culture warrior for righteousness. You may have a million Bible verses memorized, know all of the apologetic arguments to take down atheists, and you may be a well-known Christian leader in your church and in your community. But if your expression of faith doesn't include putting Jesus first and somehow caring for the needs of the marginalized, you are not acknowledging Jesus on earth the way that he desires or the way that he asked. And someday, Jesus is going to pull into his kingdom of heaven hometown visit in a big stretch limo and everyone will be cheering and screaming for him and there will be a lot of people who believe in him, who accepted him as Lord, who want to get into that limo and they want to be on TV with him and they want to be acknowledged before God and before all of creation by him. But the people that Jesus is going to pull up on that grandest of all stages with him, that he's gonna thank for sticking with him and he's gonna thank for supporting him and he's gonna thank for following him. They'll be the people who put him first and the people who cared for the needs of others, who loved God and who loved their neighbor. My prayer is that we internalize the simplicity of this message and let it guide everything that we think and do and say. May Jesus acknowledge us before his Father, and may we take up our cross and find our lives in Jesus. And may the lives of others be better because of what Jesus has done in our lives. I pray this, that we would acknowledge God 
publicly on earth by putting him first and by caring for the needs of others. It's so simple, but it's so right. It's what Jesus has called and asked his followers to do. So now, let's put it in action. Not just in an idea, not just in something we say we give our assent and agreement to, but let's act it out, putting Jesus first and caring for the needs of other people. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com. 